Welcome, bienvenue to the Fantasy Tools Podcast. This is a show where fantasy tools discuss fantasy tools. I'm your host, Eric Rentz, and I'm joined by my co-host, Michael Peterson. Our mission is to discuss fantasy baseball and the tools that we are developing that help us manage our teams. Cue that intro music. a name in the outline here and I, I see why from looking at his stats but I'm, I'm gonna let you pronounce it because I mean yeah sure I'll pronounce it it's pretty easy the Punisher Aristides Aquino do we think that's right I don't think it's Aquino he's, <laughs> he's from the Dominican Republic and you are absolutely right if you google his name the first thing that comes up is his nickname is the Punisher that is Perfect. The thing, the th- actual thing that I wanted to say that I like the most about it, I love that he's nicknamed the Punisher, but I actually like even more that he's so new to the Cincinnati Reds that his picture is still him wearing a Dayton Dragons hat. I know that's pretty good. <laughs> Dayton Dragons, one of a, we have we have been to a Dayton Dragons. game. We've been to two innings of a Dayton's Dragons game, which and dis- what? <laughs> well, Just two that. regular innings of a Dayton Dragons game, and then a few extra innings. A lot of extra innings, yeah. We basically saw a full game. Eight home runs, 12 games, pretty remarkable stuff. It's fun stuff. This is exactly what we should have gotten ahead of. (laughs) All right, turning again to the standings, I just need to briefly freak out over what is going on with the Twins. So remind me what I said last week. I said the Twins were going to go 500 the rest of the way, that the Indians were going to pass them. And that they were going to play in a wild card game. And since that point, I mean, last 10 twins, five and five, they have already gotten behind Which the, actually, the Indians. It's actually kind of remarkable because if you had said, like, just gut feeling how they do in the last 10, I would have said, like, two and eight because they just got wrecked. Oh, it just feels Because they just bad. got yeah. wrecked by the Braves and wrecked by the Indians. And those are two actual playoff teams. So thankfully, we have games against the White Sox. Although we're playing Milwaukee this week, so like you, j- I mean, the big thing is that you can't let your spirit. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, as if you can, you can help the Twins at all. Uh, to, I'm the one looking at them uh, at a, a, through a sign from center field. They cannot let these couple of games like get to them because they have a lot of games against the Royals, White Sox, and Tigers to go. And the problem is, is that they are going to play down to those opponents. I hate it when they do that, but they they really do. You put the 2019 versus 2018 year over year home attendance game change in here. Twins second best team on this, so that's something. Four thousand extra people this year per game. Yeah, because people were like, "Oh, we can go to games." Yeah, I would say. I mean, I have been to I've been in attendance at Twins games, and uh, it's clearly on the weekends that people are coming, extra people are coming to bring up this average. It is not on the weekdays. So let's talk about the outliers, Craig. I mean, who cares? Frankly, who cares about the teams in the middle? Like, whatever. But the negative outliers, Mariners and Blue Jays, rough breaks for those two teams who are like, you know, bad but not that bad. Somewhat interesting. No, I know. That is that is what's sort of surprising, especially when the third team on this list 
is the White Sox. Right, the team, the team with the third highest increase. <laughs> is the White Sox, which is wild. And the third uh, biggest decrease is the Giants, where it's like the Giants, they should have realized last year that they were bad, but I guess they didn't. And they're 500. From this, if you plotted this versus instead of cumulative or instead of arg sorted, if you plotted this against record, I think it's going to be a scatter plot. Uh, yeah, we should. All right, this week on the pod, we're going to take a few minutes to brainstorm Sloan projects in general, looking forward to the MIT Sloan conference in 2020. And then in the second half, Eric's going to talk about field position spatial autocorrelation, the thing that he teased last week based on positions that balls were fielded. So here we go. I'm going to be honest with you, this brainstorming session is really mostly going to be about me complaining about last year's papers. Okay. Okay. I'm in. Just sheer number to let you know what we're up against. Eight papers were accepted in 2019. Eight papers. Now, we don't know how many were submitted, but only eight were accepted. Right. And 11 posters were accepted. I I might say that there were 30 abstracts. Okay. Of those eight, 1.5 of them were baseball papers. And... I'm giving the point five because one of them was about coaching inference models, but it was across all sports. So they were trying okay. to do a coaching inference model across all the major sports. The only one that's definitively about baseball, predicting major league baseball strikeout rates from differences in velocity and movement among player pitch types. I'm mad because we do this on a, this is like a weekly project for us. Yeah. I mean, that, that is exactly what we, uh, what we tweeted so out. So as we determined two years ago when we were doing sort of this meta level analysis, it appears to be all about as many buzzwords as you can stuff in this paper. Oh yeah, let's stuff This buzz. guy used Gaussian mixture models. I mean, he may as well listen to our freaking pod, right? <laughs> I mean, that is, a, so is that why I, I had told you that we should both present paper ideas and that it sounds like that paper was already written for us. So it's clear that you're supposed, it's clear that you want to use pitch effects data, which makes sense because if you think about like the global ideas in scientific progress, it's either like new data became available or new new technologies became available to analyze that data. What I was thinking about is what data is out there that isn't being that isn't being utilized. Like what data have we used that is the most underutilized in um, in analyses? I don't I don't actually have an answer to that. That's why I put brainstorming, because I, I don't even have a good proposal to put forth. I mean people are doing everything on all of this. I almost put in the topics, like I keep on seeing the like the tunneling um videos sure. in the feed. And it's like, well, cool. If you want to look at arm if you really want to look at arm slot and then look at how a pitcher can be it's not it's deception right we were talking about this the other day right. deception versus like you know being crisp with the pitches that that you have those might be that might be deception but um innately because you just use the same arm motion but i don't know i guess my so part of what i'm wondering is in the the classes of results that we could have like do we want to do we want to do something that tells you how to manage your baseball team better like if you're you know if you're a real manager Mm -hmm. or do we like something that's kind of pushing a little bit more toward the business side and we we kind of tried to half do both when we wrote our paper two years ago 
because we we talked about player development a little bit half-heartedly <laughs> and then we spent a lot more time talking about um talking about the actual stat accumulation and maybe we mixed in too much fantasy i'm really not sure i well right i yeah and I'll, yes and i should we should add that fantasy because i think that's what we're trying to avoid and i think that we shouldn't try to avoid that yes is it are we gearing this towards this is how the um front office should um you know have a team like fill out a roster is this how a manager of a team should manage his his players in an, in an actual game is this how the manager of a fantasy team right. <laughs> should pick the players that are on his team which is kind of a marriage of both of those things and neither of those things or is should this be geared towards Trevor Bauer yeah. and you suck because of this and you should try this right right I think yeah I think there's a great question about what what makes a paper a Sloan contribution that people want to read and I guess right. I just I, I guess I'm feeling really thrown off by looking at this the baseball paper that was accepted like that's what was accepted like what do we have to do to get that in there uh yeah we have to be do we have to be on the cutting edge or do we have to be interesting i, I think that what we need to do is be but interesting. i don't think this i don't think that's do you really think that's the cutting edge that no one's no one else before like us and this guy independently thought of using gaussian mixture models i mean we were putting gaussian this we can point to a podcast where we talk about gaussian mixture models for pitch prediction that happened before this guy would have ever submitted his abstract yeah, I was sitting in an empty house uh, on a little kid's chair. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. Maybe we. I mean, you are at the at the fore of modeling techniques that are cool. I mean, this is what I'm going to talk about here. Is something is bringing in from a different. It's the. I, I mean, that's another piece that we need to do. Is that we are not. We are not true straight up statisticians we're not true um straight up um why am i uh scouts it's true <laughs> you know we are not true baseball people even as, as some people might notice when we make regular just little tiny errors on on baseball <laughs> stuff you know you are an astronomer i am a geographer and bringing in pieces you know mature things from those fields into um, fantasy baseball analysis. I think it, that's what we do. Yep. So why don't we do that for the Sloan paper? All right. All right. Let's do it. Why don't you, why don't you tell me you can, you can pitch me your idea. Sometimes our work on plots makes us critical of other versions. Uh, with the X axis flip. Opposite way. Yeah. I want same. I don't want to see like I don't want to see the worst team in the lower right corner. Like that's not how I yeah. operate. <laughs> no, I same, same. Let's. I I love a, a progression. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is anti growth charts. The the shrink chart. <laughs> the shrink chart. <laughs> uh, what is this? A shrink chart. <laughs> what 
why don't we take what, what Mike has done in one of the examples that we did last week, and what, what would that be as a Sloan paper? And so I put together a little blurb here for you. Geography is the study of the why of where. Geographers seek understanding through the location of phenomenon across the globe. In the same vein, we should approach the baseball diamond and the distribution of hits. Can geographic information science models help understand the spatial distribution of where hits will land? Can the modeling of fielded balls inform us of the quality of a pitcher's outing? We will divide the baseball diamond into a hexagonal grid and analyze a representative sample of pitchers' fielded balls for spatial autocorrelation. We will then see how accounting for spatial autocorrelation affects our modeling efforts. How much of the did that uh, that all make sense to you, Mike? I'm not a geographer, so yeah, it sounds great because I love the buzzwords. <laughs> <laughs> Couple of buzzwords from <laughs> from my field into this, but I mean, it all the whole big piece that a statistician is going to understand. I mean, spatial autocorrelation is just too words jammed together like um don't, I, don't, I don't even it's want german to, it's want like to try like that the germans um like it like german vegan heights bewerte gang um <laughs> there you go spatial autocorrelation uh is a measure of the degree to which objects on an xy plane vary by proximity said another way a measure to which the location and magnitude of observations Across a plane are random so we're always in our models one thing that's unsaid is that we're assuming that the distribution is that the distribution is random and autocorrelation can really affect the uh, uh, um, our modeling efforts even though we kind of leave it unsaid well, I mean that's mostly true I think it's only true because we don't have a good because we don't have a good way to write down the model of that we expect anyway. Right. I mean, I I think you're saying that because we ha- because we haven't actually put any effort into modeling what the effect of having a fielder standing blank position is. Well, uh, oh, I was saying in general in in linear regression. Oh, models. I see. Yeah, sure. Right. No, we start with no, we start, we tend to start with no assumptions. We need to, we need to be better Bayesians, but. Right. We start with no assumptions and the assumption, therefore the assumption is that the distribution is random and that we, we can, you know, we don't have to deal with autocorrelation. But spatial autocorrelation says, okay, two things happen on the earth next to each other of a similar magnitude. Shit. We should probably look at that. Right. Well said. <laughs> That's exactly. We right. should probably understand that. <laughs> so there are two huge kind of understandings of spatial autocorrelation, aka the um, lack of randomness in the distribution of points across the globe. There's global spatial autocorrelation, and there's local spatial autocorrelation. So global would be looking at a forest. Um, looking at a forest, there's a stand of trees here that are beach they're standing here that are hemlock they're standing here that are um uh alder no (laughs) alder maple whatever (laughs) um so if you're looking at this globally you'd say is a distribution across the whole area is that um random 
And then a local spatial autocorrelation would say, is it, you know, if there's one tree, are there neighbors around mm -hmm. it that are that same tree? So there are three different uh, tools that I think that we should use in this. There's a G-statistic, a G-statistic, which is sometimes all hot, hot and cold spot analysis. Mm -hmm. There's LISA, local indicators of spatial association. LISA, Ooh, local okay. indicators of spatial association. Those are both local measures of spatial autocorrelation. And then there's Moran's eye, which is a global um, measure of spatial autocorrelation. So essentially what you do is take a data set of points, magnitude, throw it into one of these occasions and see if anything comes out. So for us, you put together a scatter, mm -hmm. uh, a scatter of hits for uh, different pictures. And we, with the naked eye, we're looking at it. We're saying, hmm, you know, stuff is happening over here. Stuff is happening over there. It's really hard to see, um, to really make sense of a plot like that because you just have tons of points and you don't really know if any, if there's a cluster of, of things that are happening, whether that's random or whether that's actually meaningful. That's right. So the idea would be is that we take these pictures, pictures as data, throw it into these equations and start to see um, whether there's any connection between pitch type, pitch team, pitcher. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> and whether those, and then the big thing, I don't know if we're going to really have enough events, but whether we can um, start to see what's a good, bad, what's a good outing, what's a bad outing, what might be some of the reasons. But yeah, one of the big things that we're going to run into here is that fielders yep. are going to show up in this. Yeah, that's right. If they don't, then that's a problem. Yeah, that, that automatically tells you something. <laughs> yeah. It tells you that you have bad fielders. Yeah. I, oh, man. Or that they're not standing in the right place. Well, I think, I mean, that's, that's real, and we'll have to, I think, you know, looking forward, we'll have to, they do provide tags about, um, in StackCast, about the orientation of the fielders, so they'll at least tell you if they're in a shift and what kind of shift they're in. So the sense of the, my my sense is that this hasn't been done. I haven't seen, been able to find this kind of research. My sense is also that people are doing this intuitively. Thus, the shift. Right. You know, the shift right. is based on looking at these points and saying, "Here's the pattern within the noise." And we just want to take a look and see if we can find a little bit more and whether we can characterize that more. Because once you have the shift and it's working, you know, people aren't, you're not really then tearing into this data anymore. So we want to take another right. level and say, okay, well, this pitcher is hitting a lot to left, is getting a lot of hits to left today. Does that, is that a bad outing? Is that connected to a certain type of pitch, et cetera? I like it. Because you have a basic, I mean, like, your your fielders are, um, if you're going into the shift and you know just because of the, the way that the batter is hitting, well, what if they hit curveballs differently? Ooh. Why don't Whoa. you should be focused on the pitches that are going to lead, lean into um, contact in that direction.
That's amazing. I love that wrinkle. So that means that we need to plot all of these. We need to redo all these plots by and just look at curveballs, just look at fastballs, just look at, oh man, this is yeah. great. Right. Because the other thing, I, I go back to there's one year where the, I think it was the Indians, they got three, including Bourne, and they got three really good outfielders. And then they had all pitchers who were uh, ground ball pitchers. Well, <laughs> right. Why would you invest in your outfield if you have um, ground ball pitchers? The same thing. Twins keep yeah. on doing this. It's just... no. I think. I, think, I mean, the, the whole point of why we did why we did the X Y plot in the first place was to see if we could if we could make any inferences for fantasy about like okay, we should watch out for this pitcher going against you know this team or something, or looking for indicators right. of how the pitcher could be falling apart. Yeah, and I want to continue in that direction, but you, I mean, I think that that's what the uh, summary is going to be. Well, you know, we could really, this could be really for a, a manager. Or a <sighs> well, it's junior. hard because all of the information is wrapped up in there. Yeah, exactly. Well, cool. Damn. Well, let's talk about this more, and let's uh, hopefully we submit two abstracts. That's the dream. To double our chances. I think that about brings us to the review session. Hunter Renfro. Hunter Renfro. Renfro. Before we talk about anything, I just want to say that I hate the Padres. Uh, I hate their jerseys with a passion. Wow. Why? I would rather see them in the throwback Padres jerseys than, like, okay, I hate the camo jerseys more than anything. I, I really dislike, yep, I totally agree. Okay. now. But you're right. Otherwise, they're kind of boring. Now that we've got that out of the way, talking about the Padres... Hunter Renfro in his Padres Wait, jersey. We don't have that out of the way. Do you prefer the brown or do you prefer the blue with the orange? Well, I first of all, the orange is completely inoffensive because it's in that spectrum where I'm like, oh, whatever. But, <laughs> but so, you know, as far as I'm concerned, that those those uniforms are gray and blue. But I okay. uh, I appreciate I like those uniforms the best. Okay. You can see Tony Gwynn yeah, later exactly. days. Exactly. That's exactly what. That's when I want to picture the Padres. Hoffman. Oh, maybe. Ooh, good call. Young Hoffman. I do like that. The Brown is fine. The Brown's fine. It's a. It's like a reasonable throwback like to toss in there. Hunter Renfro, on pace numbers: 148 games, 75 runs, 42 home runs, 83 RBIs, five stolen bases, 240 average. There's only one number in that that I like. <laughs> I guess there's two. Well, like the 83 games. is not bad. Okay. 42-83. 83 yeah. RBIs on 42 home runs is bad. That's a bad ratio. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was thinking the same thing. Yeah. I, I was thinking the same thing. I was, they, uh, you know, Don Arcillo, like, mentions whatever his stat line is. It's like, wow, how do you have so few RBIs with that number of home runs? It. Like it just it it shouldn't it shouldn't be possible. Batting order. He's oh man. Yeah, he he <laughs> carries a big stick. He so he doesn't look like it. No. He doesn't look he looks no. I mean, honestly, he and Will Myers probably share uniforms, right? They look similar. Uh he's allegedly six two what are they gonna say? Six two two hundred. That's not a real those are not real numbers 
oh, 61220, according to baseball reference. I love how different these are. I mean, my... <laughs> I don't think that you can have the weight vary by like 20 pounds across different resources. And your height vary by two inches. It's yeah, the, like, height, the height variance is, is maybe more remarkable. Both of those. But yeah, I... Um, doesn't look like the kind of guy who should be hitting 42 home runs. Um, I think you have. I think we have to put to bed the idea that Petco is is bad for home runs. They they have made changes, yeah. and those changes have um, they they made changes, and and they've yeah. worked. I think I think you have to put that to bed. Uh, he he doesn't look totally at home in the field, but no. he does. <laughs> he's like he's like all arm, you know, like. The rest of his fielding is not that good, but you see Oh my him, gosh, he has a great You see him arm. come up throwing, and it's scary. Was he a high school pitcher or something? I don't know. He, great question. Wow. He has a pretty good arm. He does have a pretty good arm. He doesn't look like... In the game that I was watching, he, he pulled out the card, the reference card, <laughs> in the outfield. That is one of our favorite yep. things, when the outfielder has to bring out the little cheat sheet for like, oh, where am I supposed to be sitting? <laughs> 10 feet left. Okay. All right. Here we are. There we go. I always wonder. Those are the cards that we're going to be making. I want to know what is is on the card. Is it pictographs or is it words? Oh, true. I don't know. I don't know. And maybe. Who, like, yeah. Does he make it? Like, Is there like a PowerPoint presentation before the game and he has to take notes? Or is it like... Why don't all the outfielders just have the, like, <laughs> the quarterback, the you know, quarterback, thing? The, quarterback play caller, the quarterback or does thing. somebody hand him a cheat sheet and he's out there like trying to Rosetta Stone it in the outfield? <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know the answer. Uh, to blue that. is left. <laughs> uh, One fifty nine. Jet. Uh, wait. Oh no. This is my. I'm sorry. That's my high school play call. Shoot. I, I love that. The other thing is like. I never, I don't fully understand the cheat sheets because there's nothing to stop the first base coach from, or like not the first base coach, but the the catcher or anybody from from memorizing them all and waving guys around. Like it's not a secret where they're standing. Right. Oh yeah, no, true. Right. Why? Yeah. Why isn't that the case? I don't know. Well, I guess. I mean, you don't really want to be relaying. I guess the uh, you know hand symbols are nearly as used these days that is true i i actually had wanted to remark on that at some point in the future or in the past but yeah that's true well this is a good opportunity i i saw him take a walk which i felt pretty good about being as he hits 240 (laughs) i mean he grounded out a bunch of times i'll be honest i like watched i watched two padres Uh games because the first time i watched the game it was like wait did i did I see? Him? Did he get? He must have hit. I've seen. I've watched through the order. He must have hit. It, it's easy. <laughs> he is an easy guy to lose track of. Yeah, I, man, I had really, I liked him two years ago, two three years ago, whatever. And he just doesn't seem to be making that. He does, doesn't seem to be putting it all together. Maybe he needs to get out of San Diego. It's, I mean, it must be so hard to care about anything in San Diego because you're like in the perfect weather. <laughs> You've got like perfect mix of food. I see. You I like see. okay. A lot of just like a lot of really perfect people around you. There's like really, really hard to care. We need to get him. 
we need to get him to be the DH on a Rust Belt team. Like, Cleveland? Like, come so on. He's got, he's got let's, nothing let's to go. do but swing the bat. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Chicago White Sox. Well, they always have Jose Abreu. Detroit? Oof. Yeah. Put him in Detroit. Man, would that be a difference from San Diego? I think he'd probably... No, he'd, he'd, no, we need he'd, probably put his, he'd probably put his head down and just do it. You know, he's, he kind of... I'd take him in Boston. Kind of, That'd be great. Feel like, feels like that guy, right? Where he's just going to put his head down and go for it. Put his head down. Give him the right coaching. Get him out of the field. <laughs> Maybe use him as your, like, you know, long reliever on blowout games. Just why not? I bet you he could throw some, there, some strikes. There have, been some, there have been some pretty good strikes happening from position players, and I think Hunter Renfro could, could join that for sure. He could be in there. Anyways, so what do we think about him for fantasy, though? I think because the Padres just went through gutting their outfield, that he's a very reasonable fantasy option. I mean, the, I was going to say that the other number that I like beyond his, beyond his home runs is the number of games that he's playing in. He's actually games and played appearances. Yeah, playing, yeah. In, playing in 148 games is like that's probably a, that's a really good fantasy asset because mm-hmm. unlike Will Myers, who is playing so sporadically but is still managing to hit a bunch of home runs, you you right. you don't know when to use Will Myers, but you know when to use Renfro. No, we you can use him just about every day. He's lower in the batting batting order, which isn't which isn't great, but. Yeah, I know he's getting he's racking up those PAs. Racking up those PAs is right. I would I would own him. I would own him. You'd own him. Okay. I I TGFBI he'd be perfect. True. Place yep. to own him. Yep. Who are we doing this week? I would like to watch Aaron Judge this week. I with a specific <sighs> eye to knowing if he's going to be legit for more than a couple of years. Okay. I think that's fair. Time for a little housekeeping. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter, Fantasy Tools, Mind the Z. Thank you, Mild Manor, for letting us use your tunes. Be sure to follow them on SoundCloud and Facebook. Feel free to email us with questions or comments. Send us messages at fantasy.tools at gmail.com. Again, Mind the Z. All I've got left is, worst of luck to you, buddy. Worst of luck to you, too. Yeah.